Our New Testament reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28, and verses 35 through 39, and that's on page 148 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. In verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Precious Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. May these words of my heart and the gathering of this community serve to glorify your name. Good morning. Thank you for gathering here today, the day before Memorial Day, on this holiday weekend. I'm curious, do you know how did Memorial Day come about? In the late 1860s, after our nation's civil war, the death toll was so large that our country was in need of large burial grounds. Thus, our nation created its first national cemeteries. And at this time, community members across America began an informal tradition of gathering together in the springtime to honor countless fallen soldiers. People were organizing formal tributes during which they talked about what they remembered about their loved ones as they meticulously placed flowers upon their graves and recited prayers out loud in honor of these dead soldiers. This was the origin of Decoration Day, which in 1971 became the official federal holiday Memorial Day. And that's why many of us have tomorrow, Monday, off from work, because Memorial Day still serves to promote the remembrance 
of all persons who have died serving in the U.S. military. Whether or not this tradition is significant to you, I think collectively and as a community, we can all relate to the importance that loss screams into our lives. My intimate contact with loss stems from my time as a United States Air Force Academy cadet, as a former Air Force officer working in Asia after the Great East Japan earthquake and tsunami, as a combat veteran of Operation Enduring Freedom, which is the war in Afghanistan, as a microenterprise mentor for immigrant women in Washington, D.C., as a community organizer for Syrian refugee resettlement initiatives here in Boston, and now in my current professional role, which I hold dear to my heart, as a social worker and as a psychotherapist in behavioral health. What I'm learning about loss and trauma is that sometimes the unspeakable happens. And when confronted with severe pain of the unspeakable, our human tendency may be to embrace a type of willful avoidance rather than a willing venture into the darkness of the unspeakable. So this morning, I'm asking you to be with me for just a few minutes as we connect together and journey into consideration of the intricate complexities of three dimensions of loss that I feel are worth considering. The first being the actual experience of loss. Next, our attempts to make meaning of loss. And last, is there a possibility for hope? And if so, what can we learn by facing our own anguish in the midst of loss? I'm curious, how do each of you experience loss? Maybe it starts with the sensation, how it feels in the body, numb, shocked, confused, heavy, or barely breathing. Waking up each day to your new reality that may greet you like a boulder smashing fiercely. Perhaps at a loss for words. While living overseas a few years ago, I was the lead casualty assistance officer at my Air Force base, which means I led the death notification of families when service members were killed downrange during deployments or at home or when their family members passed away. I saw a lot during this job. I would support families throughout the process of memorial services, survivor benefits, and other matters that could take months and months to resolve. At one point, I distinctly remember meeting with a certain young military couple. When they arrived at their death benefits appointment, the husband would not look at the wife. She, a mother, sat limply in front of me in the utmost posture that communicated her feelings of shame. Her baby had died, and the infant had drowned in the bathtub when the mother looked away for just a moment to get something for the child. And the magnitude of responsibility that this mother held for her child's death, it's immeasurable. She and her spouse live with loss. I detected a similar magnitude of responsibility leading to immeasurable loss and unspeakable shame 
when I had the privilege to support Vietnam Arrowhead veterans as a clinical social work intern at the Boston VA Healthcare Center. In addition to complex trauma, I found that some veterans for whom I was providing individual therapy were living with what we call moral injury. And Dr. Brett Litt's research is moral injury. He defines this as guilt about surviving or about participating in morally questionable or ethically ambiguous behavior required for survival in the wartime environment. And what I witnessed when having the privilege to support some of these veterans is that this experience of moral injury may destroy one's innermost sacred identity due to the resulting shame. And as articulated in spiritually sensitive writings by psychology professor Kenneth Pargamon, the shame stems from having violated standards of right and wrong, good and evil, or fairness and injustice. And thus, a human being carrying the weight of this sort of spiritual self-condemnation becomes self-loving and is unable to forgive himself. And this self-hatred I'm noticing was amplified by the lack of support that Vietnam-era veterans received upon their homecoming. Perhaps the, la the label of baby killer was pronounced and then believed by those who were drafted into war, who ultimately didn't get to choose. And thus they live with the belief that they are unworthy of love unworthy of time and unworthy of human connection. And this is living in loss. In this thread, the belief that one is unworthy of time, love, and human connection can also be found in the thoughts of those who choose to kill themselves. And I'm well aware that probably every single one of you, regardless of your connection to the veteran or active duty community, has lost someone to suicide. And the experience of this loss is the hush-hush whispers of confusion, brokenness, and despair of those who are left behind trying to make sense of it. We can acknowledge this. And as a community, we need to be able to hold this. And we can also hold the pain, the intensity of suffering inside one's mind and soul. The suffering can be so loud that perhaps there is no other way to find relief. And tomorrow on Memorial Day, I'm hoping that any veteran who's ever killed themselves receives the same honors as one who died in the wartime environment. Indeed, we remember that 17 veterans plus four active duty military members die by suicide every day. And I, having seen war, can understand this. Because of course, some of these precious human beings just could not find relief from the war zone that never left their minds. And it haunts them relentlessly. So I hold their memory close to my heart with compassion because I believe that we are always, we are always doing the best that we can. And this concept of suicide may cause us to question how do we make sense of death and the living experience of loss? This question was echoing throughout my soul after my first several months in Afghanistan of watching dignified transfer after dignified transfer, 
which means body after body, being loaded onto planes to be sent home to loved ones. It is quite an experience to hold death for what it is, and this is the difficulty of living in loss. In addition, we may live in the midst of a situation that is likely impending loss. As community members, I can gather that we each acknowledge a past or current journey of loss. Perhaps it is the process of aging. Maybe it is the tragic death of a child. Perhaps it's being in the process of caring for a dying family member. Maybe it's making sense of the death of someone dear to you who died suddenly, leaving you in utter shock. Perhaps it's the loss of identity and family structure after the process of divorce. Or maybe it's struggling with your own addiction and the loss of respect and belief in the worthiness of yourself. Perhaps it's learning to trust others again. Whatever our flavor of past or living loss may be, there is meaning that screams to be made of our loss. God clearly acknowledges loss and he speaks hope into our human efforts to make meaning of death and loss. Romans 8.35 declares, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And the scripture then notes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as I share this with you via my mere human voice, I think we can acknowledge that we may not feel like conquerors. And perhaps the goal of overcoming the magnitude of pain that we experience within our human selves and communities is not actually helpful when faced with death and living loss. Perhaps what is helpful is to remember that no amount of pain can separate us from God, even though we may not feel that way. Maybe ultimate hope is created when we lean on God for grace courage, and willingness to hold the difficulties of pain with one another, to not run away from it, to not turn from it, choosing not to numb it out, to not avoid it by quiet, quietly dismissing a curious comment, and to not isolate ourselves by thinking we are not worth each other's time, talents, and investments, to look at one another in the eye and acknowledge this is going to be awful for a really long time and I am right here with you. No matter the depths of despair, loneliness, and exhaustion that may result from feeling the weight of the complexities of loss, we can still cling to the Lord. As pronounced in the same passage in Romans 8.38, the Apostle Paul offers, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And I believe it takes time to figure out for each of us our way of clinging to and of relating to him in the midst of loss 
in order to truly experience the love and acceptance that is available to us. And so may we remember that God is holding us. He is never letting us go, no matter what our feelings are towards him, no matter how great the shock and magnitude of loss is, and when we just can't make sense of the nature of our loss, God still holds us. There is hope as we honor the memory of those whom we have lost. As Pastor William Ritter, who lost his son to suicide, advocates, he says the best way to honor the dead is by loving the living. And as we love one another and also seek to open ourselves to what we can learn about humanity when facing our own anguish, perhaps it is within the willingness to be in the depths of the suffering where we may find the beginnings of some thread of healing. Thank you. And I invite you to sing hymn number 2210, Joy Comes with the Dawn. Thank mm-hmm. you.